0: Well, initially, I decided to drop out of college. This planet, for what it really is, I I don't even know how to describe. There's so much to this planet that we don't even know of its existence. The stars twinkling above you. It's like a traffic jam up there sometimes. I was being hunted down by a crocodile. If you're looking for trouble, you've come to the right place.
1: That's Karishma your host on Half Ryan and Toast. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking to someone who grew up near the crystal blue waters of the Andaman Islands and was one of India's first female solo kayakers to have successfully kayaked 70 nautical miles of open seas in just 36 hours. She's made real waves in her community and apart from being a pro kayaker, she also has a knack for telling really interesting stories. So stick around and listen on. Here's welcoming Tanaz Noble. Hey Tanaz, welcome to my show.
0: Hi, how are you? Great
1: and thanks so much You know, for doing this all the way from Port Blair in the Andamans. Uh, really, really appreciate it
0: no thank you actually thank you
1: for this so tanas how did you end up on the beautiful haven
0: that we all know as andaman islands yeah okay this place is actually very very beautiful it is um so how did i end up here it was just luck to be honest with you because my parents moved here in 1984 and uh, yeah. so i've just had the privilege to grow up here they fell in love they came here on a vacation just fell in love with the place and decided to stay on. And you
1: also, uh, you know, did your college in Mumbai in journalism, and I then did. also scored a great job uh, at Tehelka in Delhi. But I mean, that's not how it seems as great as it yeah. should seem, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I, yeah. So um, I did, I did my, uh, I studied my journalism in college, and uh, that was only because. Um, Well, initially, I decided to drop out of college um, because, yeah, because I thought I thought that the entire education system was just rote learning. And I mean, in the sense, it wasn't learning. It was just mugging. There was nothing. There was no growing. There was there was no like I wasn't turning into a person, really. I was turning into a robot and I was just studying for I don't know what sake and for whose sake. And it didn't make sense for me to give any more exams because none of it. Was gonna come of use anywhere, and it just wasn't practical to me. So I just wanted to drop out of college. I moved to the foothills of the Nilgiris, where I worked as, a, yeah, where I worked as a barmaid wow. out there for a little while.
1: Did you like it? Did you like it shaken or stirred? What 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 way did you like your <laughs>
0: well I didn't drink before that so it kind of introduced me to alcohol and it was pretty cool because you know that's actually why I got the job right because the chances of me stealing alcohol from behind the counter were very slim because I didn't drink um, (laughs) yeah yeah. But, um, but it was cool because I spent New Year's there and it was funny like the guys would come you know, you'd see them progressively get drunk from the first drink he's actually trying to flirt with you to the last drink he's practically yeah. collapsed on the table and you have to scoop him off and, like, take him back to oh, his room. Gosh. You know, yeah, so it's, it's it was quite... And then after that, uh, there was a lot of... Because it was very much in nature, so we had a lot of environmentalists A lot of, you know, professional photographers, environmental photographers, people who worked with snakes, people who worked with butterflies, all of this, these guys would come down sometimes from abroad, sometimes from India. And you'd be surprised how many environmentalists and really like amazing environmental photographers there are, wildlife photographers there are in India itself. And these guys would come down and we would chat about the fact that I had dropped out of college and some of them would say, you know, the brightest minds have dropped out of college (laughs) And there was this other side You know, Pink it. Floyd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Pink this. Floyd got it right. Exactly. Yeah. There's like a whole list of really super successful people who never completed college. But that's yeah. probably because the system rejected them because they took a gap year or because they decided they wanted to grow as people and not as robots. I mean, we're not dropping out of college because we don't want to learn or because we're stupid. It's because we yeah. want to learn, you know. We want to live, and you
1: need that time to basically figure exactly. what what lies ahead you and what you're
0: interested in. I mean, like from yeah. school to college, you've you know nothing about life. You've never you haven't actually lived, you know. So it's important yeah. to just get out right. there. A couple of years, live a little, work a little, experience a little just be out there, have some fun, feel your way into college, like literally find out what you want to do by actually doing it. While you're at it. Yeah. Yeah. While you're actually doing it. So that's how I figured out that, dude, I don't want to be a bartender for the rest of my life. That's for sure. (laughs) and I could never have come up with that had I not actually worked as a bartender.
1: Yeah, but you definitely did row, you know, your own life's boat. Yeah. And you went from uh, journalism to kayaking. I mean, wow, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah,
0: so once I decided, hey, I don't want to be a bartender anymore, I went back, <laughs> to college. And, um, and then I automatically went, because while I was studying in college, because I took it up with such passion, I decided that, hey, I, I want to have some, you know, options when I pass out of college in order to get like choose something that I want to do so um, so yeah so I got pretty brainwashed into the whole Tehelka is the messiah of truth and Tehelka brings the truth to the people and they fight for the truth and all that jazz and so I decided hey I, I'm if I work I work for Tehelka or nothing like that's it so I went for an interview yeah I got through I got a job at the Helka and I started working and I was very happy initially until it was payday, mm. you know, until it was time for them to start paying us our salaries. And first of all, we got a very, very low salary because we were just out of college, which was acceptable. I mean, I said, yeah, that's fine. There's not much experience here. But even that they wouldn't pay. So here they are portraying themselves to be, you know, this to be the, self-righteous, yeah. holier-than-thou institution and there they are exploiting their own employees all right there was a colleague as uh, i think i mentioned that there was a colleague of mine who once came to work in a torn vest in a gunji he came to work because these guys weren't paying him there were lots of issues there there was even sexual harassment most of the women employees that worked during Mm. that time at least the young ones definitely yeah. Yes, definitely complained about that. It was pretty shocking for me, being this little island towny oh, country girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was cool. And um, and from there, I moved into absolutely the opposite end of the pendulum, which was India Today magazine. Uh-huh. I was most upset with the kind of journalism, in the sense that I remember there was a lady named Irom Sharmila. She's still alive, and she was well, I think for about 20 years, she was on a fast. Um, she was rebelling against the Armed Forces, the Forces Special Powers Act, which is there in Manipur, which yeah. um, which, is, which uh, is quite brutal yeah. on women. Yeah, If you read up about it, there are a lot of rapes, there are a lot of mutilations. There are things that the army, our Indian army has done to the local women there and they are not accountable for it. Nobody can ask them whether the person was actually a terrorist or just a suspect, on what basis was she a suspect. So she said, listen, we're not animals. We have the right to live. So she was fighting for that. And uh, so she had been fasting, not the Mamta Banerjee style, but the real fasting style. Um, Not even water, not even to wash her mouth. She would use dry cotton and wipe her teeth every morning. She never used hot water to shower, even in the coldest, harshest of winters. She, I mean, she never oh used hot God. water. She only used cold water. So, yeah, so that, that was the kind of Mahatma that she was. And um, so yeah. I had the privilege of getting no her story. Even, I mean, like, no one even knew about this. No, I mean, knew. I didn't know about this until... See, that's only. the thing. That's the thing. And I wanted to bring it out. I wanted to bring it to the fore so that NGOs would actually... I mean, even, you know... Um, United Nations, and there are so many world organizations that can recognize her. So I wanted to write about her. And India Today has has a huge readership. And they said, no, we are going to wait until she dies. And I just refused. I said, look, you write about her now so that we can prevent her death so that somebody steps in, so that somebody pays her attention.
1: Which is the point of, of great journalism. I mean, that's what you would do, essentially, to save her life more than bring out her story I would, as well. But I would imagine that. I would imagine terrible. that.
0: Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's a lie. That's not journalism. Journalism yeah. is just yeah. being there to report it. We don't change Anything, and that's the ugly truth.
1: I mean, well, that's hopefully changing a bit with, with you know, reporters like say Fade Souza coming out in the forefront. I hope so. You know, who are, I, yeah, I they so. are like, uh, but, but like it's a very like diamond, literally a dozen. Yeah. To your point, it's going it to take a long time, and so this, I'm guessing, led to your final push away, yes. and you were like, now I'm just
0: going to the sea, to kayak, <laughs> and screw this, yeah. you know, world of lies. Yeah. And, Not really. I mean, it was. It was a bit. It was too much for me um, because, I mean, I live a really, really simple life here. So all of this was too much for me. Let's admit that. But um, Yeah. yeah, so when I came back and I started, I saw this happening. One of the kids was kayaking out here, one of the local girls. I traced her down to the boathouse, followed her there, asked the uh, the watchman of the boathouse and tried to get into that, and he said, "No, I'm sorry, you have to ask the coach." So then I went to the coach, and it's a beautiful initiative that has been started by Sports Authority of India (SAI). It's also known as. Yeah. So it's all over the country where they select um, youngsters from under from from government schools. Yeah, they're basically underprivileged kids, poor kids. Yeah, and they pick them up and they put them through a series of tests and they recruit them for sports. And then they actually have like hostels. Yeah, hostels to keep them and then they select them in specific sports. And so, yeah, so it's a brilliant initiative. Unfortunately, I didn't fit the bill. I am neither underprivileged or the child. Exactly. I'm no longer in any government school and I don't think... I I could get myself admitted into yeah. one, so yeah. So that was not going to happen, and so I I was just very persistent. I just kept going back to him until one day he allowed me with a lot of conditions. I had to run a lot, and I had to do a whole lot of things because he claimed that only athletes could um you know could kayak could access the facilities. So then I had to prove to him that I was an athlete and I was not an athlete. I was a journalist. So I was really overweight and really unfit. But anyway, all that aside, he allowed me to take one of the kayaks out, which had a really big hole in it. I remember him calling it a tsunami damaged kayak. I took it out. and sank oh, oh, it. Wow. Yes. So that was my oh, first wow. time in a kayak. I sank it until today. It's never been found. I've made lots of of effort yeah to look for it
1: and from and from that to you know being the first solo kayaker yeah. to like I literally so. uh, you know yeah I that's amazing and i am definitely going to come back to this story after this segment uh so this one's actually a quick rapid fire q and a kind of setup and we're going to go with on the frying pan with the kayakwala <laughs> so Tanaz,
0: are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Longest distance in the ocean? Oh, yeah. So that's uh, 78 nautical miles.
1: Wow. And the shortest lie you never told? Oh. The shortest... Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, One hand push-ups on a seesaw.
1: <laughs> wow. Never thought that was... I mean, I have never... Ever thought that was possible, but nice one. Uh Bombay or Delhi? Um she is Bombay for sure. Over water or under? Hmm. Over. What is kayaking to you?
0: It is meditation. It is rejuvenation. It is um my healing room. Amazing. What is your nickname out in the ocean? Okay, so amidst other paddlers, I was I was given the name Tenacious Tanaz. A lot of um, foreigners still know me only as Tenacious because they can't remember my actual name, so they just call me Tenacious. Tenacious,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Tenacious, I like that. I really like that. Cool. Okay, funniest drunken story.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, so it was in Havelock. All of us. There were a couple of friends of mine. We got pretty hammered, and I I ride a bicycle. I don't I don't have a car or any anybody can drop me back or anything it's not too far also so anyway so I decided she's I'm too drunk to ride the bicycle so I walked out of the restaurant looked towards the shoreline I saw a boat that was anchored out walked straight into it and slept in the boat
1: oh my god wow (laughs) truly the drunk sailor at sea that's hilarious wow I mean, I would love to uh, be woken up to just that and hopefully not out in the
0: ocean, you know, like
1: that scene in the movie. That's
0: something you need to be careful of because I walked out because (laughs) it it was low tide. And so I walked out easily to the boat. The boat was on dry land when I walked to it and jumped in. And in the morning, it was high tide. So I actually had to swim back. So yeah. Oh
1: my <laughs> God! Wow. <laughs> that must have been a great cure for a hangover too. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you know, going closer to your Parsi roots, uh, Dhanshak or Saliboti? Oh, Saliboti. <laughs> yes, I love it too. <laughs> okay, Island by the day or Island by the night?
0: Night. Any day. Always. Yeah. And your all all-time favorite song. Oh, um, it would be, it would be Elvis. If you're looking for trouble, you've come to the right place.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. That that, that I can uh, definitely believe, Tenacious. That I can definitely <laughs> believe. So, Tanaz, you've been an amazing guest on this segment. And I think you've really uh, crackled up the pan, I think, uh, with all your answers. So, thanks for that, entertaining. Thank you. Um, so, quick. Welcome. So quick, uh, you know, info, I actually did my first dive in Havelock, and it opened up a whole new world for me. It was just breathtaking underwater. And uh, during my first night dive, also, I caught a glimpse of bioluminescence, you know, with the plankton and everything. So I wanted to know, how has it been like for you kayaking, discovering different sides of the
0: ocean? It's been magic. I'll tell you that. I'm so privileged to live this life and I'm so happy that I do because you access parts of the planet. You you see this planet for what it really is. I, I don't even know how to describe. There's so much to this planet that we don't even know of its existence. Yeah, we can't even imagine. And stuff that that seems like something out of Avatar is real. It's actually yeah. real. It's happening out there. You just swish your hand through the surface of the water and it lights up. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, so that's... Wow. That's and you've obviously seen this firsthand, right? Yes. Like, yes, I mean, initially, it's wow. It's a bit, you know, you you get it, it's a little nerve-wracking because you can see things go under you because of the bioluminescence, right? It when, when a fish just swims underneath you, you know something just went under and you're just like, oh my God, I don't know if I can handle <laughs> this. But you know, <laughs> As you get used to it, you realize yeah. that nothing out there is actually out there to get you. It's not there to harm you.
1: Yeah, It's
0: just living. So It's just sharing the same space as you. That's it. And that is what is so magical about it, that the things you are sharing your space with are fantastic. It's unreal. I, I mean, amazing. And, and seeing them in the night,
1: you know, come alive is just, another like another space and like another planet oh, yeah. see that's yeah, that's we always space.
0: portray the night as you know an evil place where thieves you know thrive yeah. and bad things happen to you and you should always stay home before nine but if the only honestly the only evil thing out there is us humans if you remove us from the equation yeah. of the night if you if you can find yourself in a Everything place flourishes. yeah if you can find yourself yeah. in a place where there aren't humans and then you access the night it is a different planet. It is just just—it is just the night. It is just beautiful. It is life at night. And you see all of it. You'll see the little critters come out. You'll see things glowing and things flying and just the stars twinkling above you. It's like a wow. traffic jam up there sometimes. And when you learn to decode all of that, it's, it's just stunning. Night is beautiful. The only evil on this planet is us. I promise you that. Nothing. Yes.
1: And we can see yes. that even more now with, with all of us locked down. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a testament a place, to it. how nature really thrives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as the first um, woman solo kayaker, it must have been a torrid journey, you know, but you stuck it out and uh, I'm sure you faced a lot of obstacles in the ocean and
0: otherwise. Yeah. Maybe if you could take us through a few, that would be great. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, being the first at anything is always very, very intimidating, all right? but it's you have to look at it as a, as a privilege. okay, so if you if you're constantly looking at it as a hurdle, you're never going to get past it. Yeah. And most people, like even when I did my first uh, you know like major uh, that was 100 kilometers open ocean distance between Barren Island to English um, Island, and just north of Havelock. So when I did that, and that's complete ocean hate. There's no land anywhere in sight. Yeah. And I did this all night. Wow. And, and the, the, the biggest obstacle that I was facing was, you know, there's a reason that nobody's done it before. It's because it's impossible. And that's not true. Nothing is impossible and the
1: kind of cramps the muscle the muscle cramps that you must have got and how did you yeah you know navigate and you can't stop
0: it's like non-stop right yeah so at night um, when i did baron it was actually a lot easier um because i was using the stars and i do know a little bit about astro navigation and um, it was just one direction i didn't have to switch I didn't have to do anything. It was it was relatively easy. I was moving from east to west, slightly like west southwest. So it was very easy to get there. I was just following literally the line of stars that were setting. I just I just set a path and a course, wow. and I just went for it. And uh, yes, I did get cramps. And um, what was what was very interesting is that I experienced something that I have never experienced before, which was. A burning sensation in my eyes. All of a sudden, it felt like somebody had thrown acid into my eyes. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't understand that. Even yeah. when I got back to land, I still couldn't understand it. And I was asking everybody, why did this happen to me like towards the end? It wasn't even towards Barron. I could understand if it was ash in my eyes or something like that because Barron is an active volcano. But it wasn't. Yeah. So what it was, was dehydration because even when you put your head into salt yeah. water, your eyes are constantly creating liquid to wash out whatever is there, foreign objects, right? It's washing out the salts and it's washing out sand particles or anything else that enters your eyes. But when you're dehydrated, there's no water to wash it out. So it's actually just burning straight through through your eyes. So that is what was happening to me. So you learn something new every time. Every time something goes wrong, you've actually learned something new. And the
1: amount of times you must have maybe toppled oh, yeah. in the ocean or or there must have been I don't know a crocodile coming by I don't know if that yeah. even happened so but I haven't
0: like... I haven't um like actually I've, I've been lucky enough to not um while I'm ocean kayaking to not actually fall out of my kayak um like by mistake I've I had to get out once to switch on my lights and then jump back in but there was one instance where, yes, I was being hunted down by a crocodile. That was, I mean, being stalked. Oh, my God. By a saltwater crocodile. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that was wild kayaking. And I didn't even notice because my... And it was during the daytime. I'm very lucky it was during the daytime. Because I, honestly, I didn't even realize because my, my sunglasses were so splashed with water that I had only after I removed it. Like, I removed my sunglasses. I was drinking water. I took a break. And then I noticed, hey, there's, there's something out there in the water that should not be there I don't know what that is like I'm in the middle of the ocean there can't possibly be a rock that is surfacing and goes back down so um, wow so yeah so that's how I realized that there's a croc that's stalking me and I saw it a couple of times come up close to me and go further away and I just decided you know what calling it turn around and head straight back
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to be uh, a crock soup for tonight. Good decision, good decision. Yeah. So um, did you ever at any point, you know, regret uh, taking on kayaking? Or how, is it, how has Never. it been so far?
0: Never. It's been magic. It's, it's literally healed me right from the start. I'm telling you that the city had broken me down so badly. Like every time I try to live in any of the cities, I come back like a soldier from war. To be honest with you, I feel like that, and kayaking is what has healed me every single time. So yeah, so this this That's has been so magic.
1: profound, and uh, you know, your comparison of actually going to the battle—so many of us don't realize—but the city really does take a toll. Oh, it's
0: horrible! I I can't imagine how you guys do that to yourselves. Why? I don't <laughs> understand why. Yes, we city. We city dwellers have,
1: I don't know, just gotten used to being in this space of hustle and bustle. But, you know, thankfully, this, uh, in a way, this lockdown has slowed things down. It's made things kind of very loopy for people and me included. But uh, definitely given, you know, now I look out of my window in the morning and I'm actually amazed by the different birds that are outside right by my building. I'm like, hey, I didn't know that at Coppersmith... Was a commonly found board in Maharashtra. Wow. So it's whatever little wildlife I'm getting, I'm taking it. Exactly. So,
0: yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. So, what's your island mantra for happiness?
0: All right. So, um, I know this sounds easier than done, but honestly, appreciate what you have. It's exactly what you just said that the little access that you have to nature, hold on to it. Yeah. Hold on to it like it's really precious and study it like it's yours, like it's yours. So you look out of the window and you see a bird. Find out what that bird is. It's sitting on a tree. Why is it sitting on that tree? Is it a flowering tree? Is it a fruiting tree? Is it a forest tree? What is the relationship between that bird and that tree? When it's yours, when you figure it out like this, when it is yours, you're not going to hurt it you know, you're going to think twice mm, about that. True. And when yeah. you think twice about very hurting true. it, your own future is guaranteed.
1: And we need that more than more than anything right now. You know, this has been so amazing, uh, Tanaz, and just learning about this whole world that you just literally plunged into into the ocean, right? And uh, speaking with you has been great. Uh, hearing about island stories, just took me back to another place. Uh, my trip to Havelock, which I just literally wanted to move there. I'm not, I'm not joking. I was like, I'm going to open a shack here. I'm going to live here. I'm going to dive here. So uh, it was great. But uh, thanks so much. And for all uh, our listeners out there, Tanaz runs some amazing mangrove tours in Havelock, in the Andamans. And she has a lot of beautiful images of everything she encounters on her Instagram. You can follow her at Kayakwala and be amazed, be inspired and definitely do give her tours a try when you're there. I know I will, Tanaz, when I'm there. So thanks Hope so to much see you once so. again.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me to. on the show. Thanks a lot.